Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, and I'll be reading one verse, verse number 24, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 24. We stand as we honor God by the reading of his word, and the Bible says, and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for how it provides comfort and strength and healing as we go through a variety of different challenges and difficulties. The Lord, we are humbled by the fact that you would be with us. And we can be assured that we are not alone. The Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. And we're thankful that in everything you work both good and bad for your good, for your glory. Thank you once again for the wonderful privilege that we have to be here tonight. Thank you for how you've encouraged our hearts through a time of prayer and singing. And as we look into your word, that you would use your word to strengthen each and every heart. Give me the words you'll have me to say. May they be a source of strength, encouragement, challenge to each who would listen. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for what you will do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. One of the results of this pandemic that has been going on now for well over two years has been what is being called pandemic fatigue. It means that through all that has been happening, that even though it had, might not be experienced individually, after a while we just get tired of this thing. People are stressed out, fed up by the need to isolate, to quarantine. It's been one of the most difficult challenges amidst all the other effects of this pandemic. And it says to me, and it says to us, I believe, that based on the discomfort and the uncomfortability of being alone, that God himself, when he created us, never intended for us to be isolated, never intended for us to be alone, apart from everybody else. He created mankind for relationship, for interaction, for relationship with each other. I will submit to you that is why, because of this inherent need that we have for relationship, that people, as we have seen, run away from COVID tests. Because no one wants the stresses of potential isolation, <laughs> quarantine, and getting your food in a plastic bag on, left on the door. Or if the door is high enough, getting your food under the door. We simply do not want 
isolation. We can deal with the symptoms and the sore throat and the headache and the night sweats, the coughing and whatever it is, just don't leave me by myself. But even more important and necessary than a relationship with other people, my friend, is a relationship with God. In addition to the benefits of eternity, is the reality that in living the Christian life, when you have a relationship with God, you don't ever have to live it by yourself. Amen? As we've heard said recently in our testimony time, even when you might feel alone, you are not alone. We just heard the song song tonight. I am not alone. What a great encouragement. And this truth is pointed out by the Apostle John, of course, the writer of First John, as he deals with things that authenticate the Christian, or in other words, characteristics that distinguish those who are truly born again, children of God, from those who are not, from those who pretend to be. For quite some time now, several weeks and if not months, we've examined and seen in 1 John chapter 3 what I call authenticated practices. In other words, things that prove that we are who we say we are. We've observed that a child of God who is authentic will love the brethren. Amen? Verse number 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The love of God is shed abroad in the hearts of his children that others should be able to know that we are Christians by our love. But the second authenticated practice that we've observed and studied and examined is that a child of God will not only love the brethren, but he or she will live a holy life. Peter, in his epistle, says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God did not save us from a life of sin to then be wrapped up in a life of sin. We are to live a holy life. But mark it down, number three, we've seen that if you're going to live a holy life, you're going to be loathed by the world. In other words, the world is not going to like it. We're in a spiritual battle. And in taking a stand for Almighty God, you're going to come under spiritual attack. That's just a characteristic of living this Christian life. But we've seen as well, number four, that a child of God who's authentic will be desirous of laying down his or her life for others. That sacrificial mindset comes from none other than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who when he came, came to lay down his life and did it on Calvary's cross for all mankind. 
But number five, in which we've been looking at for a number of weeks now, that a child of God who's authentic is going to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? God's Holy Spirit indwells the believer upon conversion. And that Holy Spirit wants to take full control and to have his way in directing and guiding and helping us to accomplish God's will for our lives. And in doing so individually and collectively, we accomplish God's will in furthering his kingdom here on planet Earth. And so by way of being led by the Spirit of God, we have looked at verses 19 through verse number 24. And just very quickly by way of review, when the Holy Spirit is indwelled in a believer, he then engages in seeking to transform our thinking. In other words, we then seek to acquire a spiritual conscience, verses 19 to 21, and we won't go into detail just by way of review, helping us to see how we get to where we are in context in verse number 24. God desires to transform our thinking to have a mind and the mind of Christ. But this spiritual conscience, make no mistake about it, if we're not careful, if we're not obedient to the word of God, we'll be seared by contempt. If a child of God who is indwelled by the spirit of God abandons God's direction, abandons the leading of his Holy Spirit, after a while, no longer registers and responds the way he or she should. But I want you to notice with me, God says in verse number 22, that listen, when we do right, there's a special connection. I mean, when we obey God, when we, we, we understand his leading and his direction through the spirit of God, look at even our prayer requests, we will know what to ask, and whatever we ask, we will receive. What a wonderful blessing of being led by the spirit of God. There's a special connection. And then notice verse number 23. We saw a specific command. He says, this is his commandment, that we should believe on his name. On the name, rather, of his son, Jesus Christ. And love one another as he has given us commandment. We emphasize here the important, that listen, we are to believe God. Take him at his word. Amen. It is the essence of living a Christian life. Belief. Belief on him for salvation. Belief on him for our service to him. And then that brings us to verse number 24. With what I call a sure Confirmation. Listen, the Apostle Paul, not the Apostle Paul, rather, the Apostle John is giving us here, listen, this is proof, proof positive that, that a person is not just saying they're a child of God, but this person is in fact, by their practices and by their actions, a child of God. They're authentic. Sure confirmation. And I want you to notice tonight just two things in this verse. It says, and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. I want us to look at that first sentence in this verse, and you can write down and jot down that there is, by way of this confirmation, a dual partnership. 
a dual partnership. Notice he says, he that keepeth his commandments, notice there's a two-pronged thing happening here. He dwelleth in him, meaning he dwelleth in Christ, and Christ dwelleth in him. Now I want us to pick this apart so we can really understand what John is teaching us here. And coincidentally, well, it's not coincidence, we'll also look at John chapter 15. The same writer expounds on this in much more detail. But I want to notice, first of all, what does it mean as we dwell in Christ? Now turn with me to that passage in John chapter 15. I want us to understand this dual partnership that exists. In John chapter 15 and verse 1, Jesus speaking says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now we are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now listen to what he says in verse number four. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can he except he abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Now here's what John is saying to us. He said it in the latter part of, of course, chapter 3, verse number 24. And he says it in John's gospel, chapter 15, that when it comes to this dual partnership that we have with Christ, understand, first of all, there's a source and there is a recipient. Jesus Christ is the source. He's the vine. And if we're going to dwell in Christ, here's our responsibility, to be connected to him. To be connected to the vine. The branch must be connected to the vine. In other words, the branch must be in the vine. We are outlets, so to speak. If you think of your utility companies, your electricity company that we know here locally as Nevlek, or your water company or water department, If you're going to be a recipient of these utilities, guess what? You must be connected to the main lines. You must be connected to the power lines. And so when John says we must be in Christ, we are are to dwell in Christ, we are to be connected in him. It's very clear. But notice the dual partnership. Not only are we to be connected in him, But it says that Christ is also in us. Now, how does this dual partnership work? Now, here's how it goes. Because we are now connected to Christ, guess what? He can now flow through us. If you think of the analogy that Jesus gave in John chapter 15, and he says, I am the vine, You are the branches. Because the branches are now connected into the vine, 
the source of the vine can then flow through the branches. Are you hearing me tonight? Christ can now be in him or her. That's why he says in verse number 5 of chapter 15, without me, he can do nothing. And once you dwell in Christ, in other words, once you are connected to Christ, guess what? He will naturally flow or manifest himself in you. Once you connect to that electricity source, the power comes through and powers your home. The power is dwelling in you because you dwelled in it. How did you dwell in it? You got connected. Amen? Look at verse number 6 of John chapter 15. He says, If he abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. But if he abide in me, in other words, if you are connected to me, uh, uh, the, the source, my words will abide in you. In other words, they will now flow through you. I will now be in you. Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. That, my friend, is a dual partnership. Thank God for it. But how do we dwell in Christ? I want to explain this because, of course, Jesus, in teaching this in John chapter 15, uses an analogy. He uses figurative language that we would understand the principle of a vine and a branch. But practically speaking, how as a child of God uh, living here on planet Earth, how do you actually dwell in Christ? I'm glad you asked. Here's how you do that. You give him access to your heart. That's how a person is born again. That's how you receive salvation. You give him access to your heart. You open up your heart to him so that you can then be connected to him. That's required for salvation. But that's also required for service. After you are saved, God still wants your heart. That's why a child of God who desires that Jesus would be in him and would dwell in him must get rid of stubbornness. Must get rid of rebellion. Must get rid of hard-heartedness. Because in embracing these things, I am now causing myself not to have him dwell in me richly. That is why a born-again believer who is truly saved can manifest behavior that seems that he or she is not born again because their heart, they've closed off access to what God is saying to them through his word. And I believe that's what Jesus was referring to in John chapter 15. He says, if you don't abide in me, if your heart is closed off to me, listen, you can do nothing. And you're cast forth as a branch. 
and is withered. You ever seen Christians who look like spiritually they're withered? You see, my friend, if you were to call Nevlek or the water company or utility company, wherever you are, recognize that they don't force their way into your home. You must call them and request a connection. Similarly speaking, God will not beat down the walls of your heart to connect to you. You must yield your will. You must open up your heart to him. That's how we dwell in Christ. But how does Christ dwell in us? You see, my friend, when we yield our will to God, here's what happens. God's word saturates our hearts. And we apply it to our lives. And here's how we put it into practice. By trusting him by faith. That's how we let God and let Christ dwell in us. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. And verse 17 to 19. Very instructive verse in relation to this. Ephesians chapter 3. Look at what it says. Verse number 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. By what? By faith. You got to believe God. You got to open up your heart. Even when you can't figure it out. Even when it seems not to make any sense. God, I'm going to let you dwell in me by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all saints. What is the breadth and length and depth and height. Look at this. And to know the love of Christ with passive knowledge that he might be filled with all the fullness of God. You know how we get to understand what true love is? Get connected to Christ. That's the only true way to learn how to love. You know what I'm finding out? And I'm finding this out by personal introspection and by observation that what we often call love in terms of unconditional and agape love is not real love. And here's what I'm recognizing that this unconditional love that is agape love mark this down This is the love of God. This is God's love. It cannot be done in the flesh. It can only be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. It can only be done when Christ's love is shed abroad in our hearts, when we are connected to the vine. That's why uh, Ephesians chapter 3 says in those verses that you may be able when you're connected to Christ to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height and to know the love of Christ with passed knowledge. Meaning, in other words, without being connected to Christ, you cannot figure it out. You cannot comprehend it. You cannot even pass it on until you're connected to the vine. 
That's why Jesus demonstrated this kind of love when he was on the cross, when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The same ones who nailed him to the cross. The same ones who spat in his face. The same ones who forced the crown of thorns on his head. The same ones who ridiculed him. He appealed to his father. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. We can't know that kind of love until we know the Christ who hung on that cross. And then he said on that same cross to the same thief who earlier was ridiculing him. You read your Bible, you'll find out that both thieves on that cross ridiculed Jesus. And when one recognized who Jesus was and had a heart change and opened up his heart to Jesus on the cross, in spite of the ridicule that he gave to Jesus earlier, Jesus said to him, today you shall be with me in paradise. That's the kind of love we're talking about. If that were us, if that were me, which paradise you talking about? You heard what you just told me? You're going to bust hell wide open. You all know I'm right. That's what we would say. That's what we do. But if we, the word of Christ is going to dwell in us richly, listen, we're going to manifest and demonstrate the love of Christ because we are connected to the vine. We are in him and he is in us. That's how we authenticate that we know him. What a blessing. It is good to know Christ. It is good to understand his love. But we're not going to understand his love unless we are connected to him. I tell you, this stuff is so deep. I feel like I'm drowning sometimes when I'm trying to comprehend this. I mean, here it is, I only got through half the verse. And I feel I would be doing a disservice if I tried to rush through the second half tonight. So I'm going to leave it here and have us just really meditate on this aspect of this dual partnership. To be in Christ and for him to be in us. Listen, it brings about a revolutionary transformation to our thinking, to our mindset, to our actions, even when we are not treated right. Because that's when true love really shows up. I mean, Jesus says, if you, if you only do good to those who do good to you, I mean, what's the difference between you and the heathen? Absolutely nothing. As my pastor in Virginia would say, no chocolate chip cookie for you. But when, if we're going to authenticate who we say we are, there has to be a difference. There has to be something that shows up that is distinctive. Something that says, wait, I got to do a double take. I got to look at this again because I've never seen this. This is not normal. This is not 
natural. But it's not normal. It's not natural. It is in fact supernatural. Something that can only be done when Christ dwells in us and we in him. Thank God for his son who makes all the difference in our lives to make us different and distinctive from the world.